When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Blush. I'm your host, Heba, and I am sick, baby. Um, Yeah, I really fucking don't feel well. Um, It happened over the weekend. I woke up one day and I was like, ooh, my throat is sore as fuck. And really not convenient because I had a child's birthday party to go to that day or so I thought. Um, So whatever. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to power through because, you know, I've been called um, flaky quite a bit. And by I've been called flaky, I mean, it's accurate. It's accurate. I'm not a consistently reliable person. I wish I was. I've tried very hard to be. Um, I've talked about it quite a bit on the podcast. A lot of it really, for me, seems to stem to when my eating disorder started. Like that really seems to be when I got so flaky, which makes sense because when you have an eating disorder, you have like priorities (laughs) and those priorities are all of the rituals that you have in place to achieve your desired result, which more often than not is to just like be thin, right? So like, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's just like like things with food, right? Like, I like would do things at certain times to distract me so that I don't eat. But then, like, if it was like during a time where I wanted to eat, or if I ended up eating, like I'd end up binging, and then I wouldn't feel well enough to do anything. Anyway, it's complicated. But in conclusion. <laughs> I can be kind of a flaky person. And as I kind of got into last week, I've been called selfish before. And I like, you know, it really is since recording that, that it's hitting me how much that's like a wound that really sticks with me and how hard I try to like go at times to like prove that I'm not selfish by just like putting myself in highly inconvenient situations to be like, look, I showed up for you. Like, for example, being fucking sick and showing up to this birthday party. Also, can we talk about this? I thought one thing we learned during COVID was to like not be a hero. And if you're sick you really shouldn't go because you're gonna get everyone else sick but apparently that has gone right out the fucking window right out the fucking window and you know I'm gonna talk about the show Wednesday a little bit later but you may have heard that Jenna Ortega was sick while filming the show in particular I mean she had COVID not even just sick she had COVID um specifically the dance scene which I'm not up to yet again I will touch on the show a little bit later because I have a lot to say on it um and I've watched like an episode and a half but still I have a lot to say um anyway um she had COVID when they were filming that. And like, like, I think we just have completely forgotten everything that we've learned. And so consequently, I'm expected to show up places when I'm fucking sick and I don't like it. And anyway, so Saturday woke up with a super sore throat, still got ready and went to the fucking three-year-old's birthday party. It was at a temple because in Jewish culture, apparently you don't cut a child's hair until they turn three. So it just grows, grows, grows. And then when they turn three, um, there's like a ceremony and you cut 
cut it. And um, I couldn't hear the rabbi very well. Actually, okay, let me backtrack. So Saturday, I show up, gift in hand. I'm wearing a very chic, all-white monochrome outfit. And um, I'm just, like, wandering around the synagogue, which, by the way, is, like, the next block over from me. So, like, I really should stop complaining. It was, like, literally, like, I didn't even walk a full block to get there. Um I'm wandering around. There's rabbis everywhere and stuff, but I can't see anyone. And then I look at the invite again, and I realized I, it was the wrong date. It was actually on Sunday. So I wake up on Sunday, still fucking sick, roll up, whatever. I somehow... Excuse me, my voice seems to be giving out. Um, I st- <laughs> no. Um, I, you know, show up. I am put to work. I'm helping set up for the party, which is great. Love to do it, but, like, not when I'm sick. And then I'm, like, getting my germs everywhere and spreading them to everyone. And, like, half the party was fucking sick. This child had such a guttural cough. I mean, like, there was phlegm for days. Like, honestly, I probably have TB now after this birthday party. Anyway, um... How did we get here? Oh, I'm sick. Yeah, so I don't sound great and I don't feel great and I'm mentally not all fucking here. And so I have such a good episode prepared and I'm really fucking scared that I'm going to fuck it up. But whatever, let's just go. Um, Also, real quick, things that I'm trying for being sick. Excuse me, I just blew my nose real quick there. Um. Oil of oregano is so good. And I have this really good sinus wash that's really just saline, aka salt water, and it has oil of oregano and maybe like a couple other herbs in it. It's really an excellent thing. Um, I wish I'd remembered to try it sooner. In fact, I did kind of remember I was just like too lazy. Um, Zinc excellent oh, oh I can link by the way my favorite brand of zinc and the oil of oregano nose wash um just like having hot liquids is great bee products fucking great I have this product from the farmer's market um it's creamed honey with um bee pollen uh royal jelly and propolis I think that's it. Um, And also before you come at me, like, yes, I say that I'm vegan. Now I will make exception for exceptions. I will make an exception. (laughs) We are not off to a great start. I will make an exception for bee products if I talk to the bee farmers and I like know that the bees are being treated well and they have plenty of food for the winter, yada, yada, yada. In that case, I will consume bee products. It's not very often. I, as a general rule, don't like to have like sources of sugar that aren't tied to fiber. That being said, like bee products are absolute magic. So like, you know, like it's like it's a it's amazing to me how much they help me, like both if I'm feeling sick and also like bee products topically on my skin. There is quite literally nothing better for my skin. Like the way I will radiate, it's unheard of. I, in fact, I'm going to do a mask with it today because like whatever, I'm fucking dying. So <laughs> may as well try to tend to my skin. Um, Yeah, hot product, hot liquids, bee products, um, citrus, obviously vitamin C, whatever is appealing to you. Honestly, like this is a time to just like honor your body's intuition. If you don't have much of an appetite, like don't force yourself to eat just have lots of hot liquids obviously soups are great um throw in a little squeeze of lemon in there is there anything fucking better I find that when I'm sick like I just want to like fucking squeeze lemons like down my throat like the feeling of it against my throat can't explain it um 
heat, just applying heat, like heat, like heating pads, turn the temperature up, hot baths, whatever you can, just get your body warmer. And then obviously, really, the real thing is lots of fucking rest, rest as much as you can. Now, I unfortunately can't rest today (laughs) because I don't want to miss an episode ever, like ever, like I'm trying so hard to do no weeks off. And so here I am powering through for you guys, but like otherwise. I would be fucking resting right now. Um, Another thing I've been dabbling with now, I've been super honest with you guys about the fact that like I used to smoke a lot of pot and then I stopped and like, you know, I was like noticing I was getting more and more anxious. Well, there's this CBD brand that sent me gummies like a long ass time ago. And a couple of weeks ago, I ran out of my melatonin. I take melatonin under my doctor's care. Um, (laughs) He recommended for the antioxidant benefits. And so I ran out of melatonin. And then I remembered that... um, And the gummies that this brand had sent me, there was like a sleep one that had melatonin in it. And I took it and it was like the most blissful sleep I've ever had in my life. Like I can't even explain it. Like it's just like I drifted off into like a floaty fairyland. And then I started playing with the rest of the samples and I was like, holy shit, I'm fucking obsessed with these. And um, so some of them are CBD only. Some of them have some THC. But the thing with the THC one is the ratios with, and there's different ratios of CBD to THC, but something fun, like there's actually thousands of different cannabinoids. So like THC and CBD are just two of thousands of different types of cannabinoids and CBD and THC work as a duo like really all of the cannabinoids work best in a full spectrum situation again you can play with the ratios depending on what your end game is but like when you take a CBD product that has like zero 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 THC it's not going to be terribly effective whereas like if you add like even a gram of THC or less that THC is going to help the CBD actually like be properly absorbed in your body. And CBD also counteracts like the kind of paranoid effects of THC and helps like calm it down. So like they have these Relax Plus gummies that I'm fucking obsessed with. It's five milligrams of THC and I want to say like 20 to 25 of CBD, which is like the perfect amount to get me just a bit high and like floaty and like calm and giggly and like more creative and more introspective, but also have like zero paranoia at all. I fucking love them. Like they taste like cannabis. You can tell they're legit. The ingredients are so good. I've like, I, I, so I, after this, I reached out to the company and I was like, holy shit, like I need a code because like, if nothing else, I'm going to be buying so many of these. So I'm going to use my own fucking code, but I did get a code for you guys. And like this, honestly, like I'm just sharing it because I'm so obsessed with them. So like if you're into CBD, if you're into THC or like if you want to dabble with THC and like want to find a way to do it where you won't get all like high and paranoid, like I'm telling you, these gummies are the way to go. I really like the Relax Plus, um, the Sleep, the Sleep Plus. Um, and I've tried a couple of the euphorias, which are like the stronger ones. And even those didn't get me paranoid, which I'm shocked because I've shared many times on this podcast that over the years, I've gotten more and more paranoid when I, um, like smoke, like when I consume any sort of THC in particular, I have this like insane fear that I'm peeing myself all the time, (laughs) never actually peeing myself. And I haven't had any paranoia with these gummies and instead just like blissful relaxation 
relaxation, like the best fucking sleep. Like I can't say enough good things about it. Um, so if you want to try them, I'll put the link in the show notes. It's Nama CBD, N-A-M-A, and use code H-I-W-A-A-1-5 for 15% off. Um, like truly, I cannot say enough good things about them. And yeah, I mean, they have a bunch of samplers where you can just get like one or two of like different varieties that they have so you can see what you like. But if you're looking for THC, I really recommend the Relax Plus. And if you're looking for just CBD, I really recommend the Relax and the Sleep. Um, the sleep also has CBN in it, which is a different cannabinoid. Anyway, okay, I'm going to stop talking about this because there's like a bunch of other things I want to talk about, but look out for links and show notes. Okay, so um, number one, Ozzy is back in Australia. He left um, on Thursday. He had a very rocky trip home, basically had a layover in LA to get to Sydney. And um, they like sat on the tarmac for forever. So they missed their connecting and like rebooked him automatically for 24 hours later. But because they like billed it as a weather thing, they also didn't put him up, which was like super shitty. And like, you know, he was super irritated, but he's back in Australia now and he is dearly missed in this household. Also, my dog, Sam, is sick right now, too. She uh, like so garbage is very complicated in New York City. And like there are certain days where the garbage truck comes and I live in like a converted artist loft. So I don't really have a ton of building services. And one of the ones I don't have is garbage. So like we're just expected to put our garbage out on the street on the garbage, right garbage days, which isn't every day, but it is like three days a week. So like it is, you know, it's pretty often, but, um, you know, if your garbage is full on a non-garbage day, you're kind of fucked. So what I do instead is like, I'll take like a paper bag from a grocery store and put some like top garbage in there and then just take it to a city bin, which you're technically not allowed to do, but that's a story for another time. Anyway, um, so I had some like leftover, like, like I threw away some white rice because like, I think it was like too old. Um, which I don't love doing, but it was also like really constipating me. Oh, haven't really been consistent on the beans again. So I can't really say much about the beans. We'll update you on that next week. I have so much I want to talk about and I'm not even getting to it. And I was trying to make this a short episode so that I don't like completely lose my train of thought because I'm fucking sick. <laughs> anyway, um, so I like threw some like rice and like I'd gotten this like vegan fast food and there were like a couple of things I didn't finish. So like I had that garbage in there and she got into it and started eating it. And now she has like horrible explosive diarrhea. So like it's just a sick ass household and we fucking miss Ozzy. Anyway. Oh, OK. So I noticed something with Ozzy the week before he left that absolutely fascinated me. So remember how I talked about we went to Connecticut to visit his friend? So in Connecticut, they had like a water filtration system built into the sink. And so like it's like filtered drinking water, right? And so I drink it and I was like, holy shit, that tastes different. Now my guess as to what it is, is they might have one of those... Um, like reverse osmosis or like some some kind of filtration system like that where it remineralizes the water and so what I'm tasting that tasted so different was like the minerals being added back to it because like to me it tasted like mucky is the best way I can describe it and so 
later when we came back to the city, I was like, oh my God, yeah, did you notice like what their water tasted like? And he's like, what are you talking about? It just tastes like water. And I was like, no, it tasted like so different than like, because we also had bottled water when we were there. I was like, there was like a very noticeable difference between the bottled water and their filtered water. Like it's not, and like, I'm not like, like a very elitist kind of person about like when I was a kid I, like and my mom would say like oh she doesn't like this water she does like that water I was like the fuck are you talking about bitch it's water like water is water it all tastes like fucking water um but like this was a very no it's like saying you can't tell the difference between apple juice and orange juice and then um a few days later um, I had gotten new pill pockets for Sam, my dog. Pill pockets are like these little treats where there's a hole in the middle that you can put, um, uh, uh, sorry, like medications. So, like my dog is chronically sick, so she's on medication all the time. Um, and completely lost my oh okay so I'd gotten this new kind that had like omega-3s added to it because omega-3s are really really good for dogs interestingly they really affect the dog's coat um which I find like fascinating like like if your dog sheds a lot or things like that add omega-3s to their diet and I was making a comment to Ozzy about how fishy they smell versus like the last kind he's like oh I hadn't noticed and I was like what are you talking about? It smells like a fucking fish market when you open the bag. And he's like, you know, I just like am not very like I don't have a very refined palate. So like I don't notice like, you know, differences in taste of water. And I was like, no, this isn't about having a refined palate. This is like you're not present. That's what's going on. Because like if you don't smell that overwhelming fish smell when you open that bag, I have a weak sense of smell and I can smell it like if you're not noticing the difference between those two waters and like I can say this as someone who could never tell a difference between waters and now like I think some are more subtle than others but like I used to live completely in my head which is very common for children that grow up in like kind of abusive and chaotic households like it's very common to just disassociate so like I lived completely in my head and like that's what's going on it's not like your palate isn't refined enough like you're not present like you're inside your head that's what's going on and like it was a really nice goalpost for me to see how far I've come in that as someone who used to live completely inside of my own head like in a full fantasy world like completely disconnected from the outside world to now being like a pretty present person most of the time and obviously that's because like I have this very consistent meditation practice but I just wanted to say like being present has so many benefits that I'm not going to get into today because like there's so much other stuff I want to get into. But if you think that you might struggle with being present in the world, which like is very likely, then um, two like quick ways that you can try to because like it's it's like anything else. It's a muscle, right? And the more you practice, the better you become at it. So the number one thing I would recommend is like tuning into your five senses because that's what instantly brings you present. And um, you can set an alarm on your phone for like random times throughout the day. When the alarm goes off, you tune into your five senses like, OK, what can I see? What can I feel? What can I hear? What can I smell? What can I taste? Um, are those the five senses? See, hear, smell, taste, feel? Yeah, 
Yeah, that sounds right. Um, that sounds like it's five, right? Um, the other is you can pick one activity that you do every single day that's a pretty short activity and commit to being present during that activity. I really recommend washing your hands because it's something that you do every day and it's really quick. And so what you do then every time you wash your hands is you tune into your five senses. Like, okay, like how does the water feel against my skin? What temperature is it? Like how, like, I don't know, like it does it feel silky? Does it feel soft? Does it feel harsh? Like What's the stream of the water? What sounds does the water make? Like, what does it look like? Like, as you lather up with soap, like, uh, see how that texture changes. See how it looks. Do you smell anything? You know, yada, yada. Tune into the five senses during that activity. And then when you repeat that, like, every day, hopefully multiple times a day. But, you know, have we learned nothing during COVID? (laughs) Um, Then it's, like, training your brain to be present. And then, like, it'll start, like... Um, bleeding over to other areas of your life. So you're not just present when you wash your hands, but you start being present in other activities throughout your daily life also. More on like mindfulness and like being present in future episodes again. Today is not the day. Okay, so I want to do um, TV recs of the week, and then I'm going to get into the actual content of the week. Okay, so for TV, um, last night I started re-watching Severance on Apple TV, which just is such an excellent show. And if you haven't watched it, I so recommend it because I think it's like such important commentary on society. And um, it does kind of start off like kind of like dystopian and dark and dry. But I like I promise you it gets so fucking good. But if you don't want to watch that or if you've already seen that, I saw a trailer for another show before it called Shrinking and it starts January 27th on Apple TV. And really all I know about it is that Jason Siegel is in it and I fucking love Jason Siegel and like Jason Siegel is a man of many talents. Like he um plays instruments. He was very good at basketball in school and he's obviously like a very talented actor actor and he's very funny and um his character on how I met your mother was always like kind of like I was like oh that's kind of like the type of guy that I want and I think it's probably just because he was like tall and silly and like funny and just like a nice sweet guy who isn't like too smooth or suave like I don't, I'm not really into that um But yeah, I don't know much else about the show, but mark your calendars. (laughs) Um, Also, the Gossip Girl reboot is back with season two. I fucking loved season one. Maybe I'll talk about this next week because there are other things I want to talk about. Um, There's a new Bravo show called Southern Hospitality. It's a spinoff of Southern Charm, and it follows Leva's um, like restaurants, like the people who work at her restaurants. Basically, they're trying to do the same thing that they did with Vanderpump Rules, but in South Carolina with Leva's restaurants. Um, I started episode one. Seems interesting. It always takes me a while to get into a new show, particularly a reality show. Speaking of reality shows, as you probably have heard, Stephen and Kristen from Laguna Beach started a Laguna Beach rewatch podcast. I mean, this was a long ass time ago, like over the summer. They did it with Dear Media. They did season one where basically like each episode of the podcast follows an episode of the show and they give like behind the scenes stuff like what was real, what wasn't real, yada, yada. So Laguna Beach is on um, Netflix right now. So I've been re-watching Laguna Beach while re-listening to the podcast. So I'll do like an episode of each, you know, I'll watch the show and then I'll listen to the podcast. And um, 
It's so fucking good. And I have to say, like, listening to the podcast, like, are these two secretly still in love? Because there was an episode where they just, like, went on and on, just, like, rambling about random memories and things that they did. And, like, it's so fucking sweet. And, like, they're both single right now, aren't they? Like, why don't they just go for it? Like, wouldn't that just be the ultimate fucking love story? Um, Also, I just want to address this. They were, like... 16, 17, 18 when the show started. They were in high school and I think MTV exploited the shit out of them and I think it's actually like really fucked up. Um, Like they were definitely like very sexualized. They were manipulated into situations. Their personal lives were fucked with. Like I, like they were children and they were exploited for MTV's gains. Like it is kind of fucked up. Um, also on Netflix is the Megan and Harry documentary. I believe the first three episodes are out. Now, here's the thing. I have never been like someone who's into the Royals. I haven't watched any of the Royal weddings. I like couldn't care less. I don't even know very much about like the monarchy other than that. I think it's like inherently fucked up. I think the notion that like some people just you have to like fucking bow to them, curtsy to them, address them in specific ways that you're tax money goes towards paying for them literally only because of like the family that they're born into is a disgusting notion. I cannot believe that it's 2022 and this shit is happening. Anyway, I never really cared that much about Meghan and Harry other than um, when they left the monarchy. I thought it was like such a boss move. And I think their story really is such like a modern fairy tale because instead of like, oh, prince comes and saves girl, it's like, no, American half black girl saves prince from the prison that is monarchy. Like, I just, I think it's such a cool story. But anyway, even if you like really don't give a shit about them or like don't like them or whatever, I think the documentary so far is exceptionally educational in a lot of things, but really very educational on race stuff. So instead of like thinking of like, even if you hate her, and I do think there are moments where she comes off as like so insincere that like, it's just like, it's like calculated, like she has a specific image that she's trying to uh, tap into like I just like I wish I could see her like I just wish there was like something that was contradictory about her like if she was just like oh I love watching Real Housewives or like I you know I love like getting drunk on a Friday just something about her that like brought her a bit more down to earth and it's something that didn't feel calculated but felt real because I feel like the moments where she does try to like come off as relatable it feels calculated so listen I understand people's criticism although I think like the people who really hate her like may need to look internal because I think that might be some like internalized racism but that's neither here nor there but really for not if for no other reason I would watch the documentary for like the race stuff because I I I think they do a really 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 good job with that um, and then in two pieces of very shocking news. So I watched Don't Worry Darling and I fucking loved it. Loved it. Did not see that coming. And I watched um, Wednesday and I 
have not liked it so much so far. So I'm going to talk about each one individually. Now, don't worry, darling. You might recall me going on like a 20 minute long tangent about the behind the scenes drama. Fuck, what episode was that? I'm going to see if I can figure it out while I'm talking, um, which is never really a formula for success, but whatever. I'm going to fucking try. Um, so like I, I talked about all this shit with like, well, it was a separate episode where I talked about the Jason Sudeikis and Olivia Wilde stuff with the nanny, but um, I'm not going to look for this right now. Um, but there was an episode where I talked about all the behind the scenes drama with the Florence Film Festival, yada, yada, Spitgate. I believe I talked about all this shit. Um, I don't know what episode it was on, like I said, but. I like and then separately when I talked about the Olivia Wilde Jason Stake and stuff like I've been very clear that I don't love Olivia Wilde and um I wasn't expecting to like this very much but I fucking loved it I thought it was so well done it made me like Olivia Wilde a lot more I thought all the acting was good I know like people had been shitting on Harry Styles's acting in it but I thought he did like pretty okay like it wasn't distractingly bad um and yeah, like overall, I just thought it was really fucking good. I thought like the underlying message was so good. I thought the genre was so like I I, I just thought it was captivating and interesting. And there's like a lot more I could say with that. But I don't want to like spoil anything. I really recommend watching it because it's streaming now. And then with Wednesday. OK, here's the thing. I was so fucking excited to watch this. Like I fucking loved Wednesday. I idolized Wednesday Adams growing up. Idolized. I've been Wednesday Adams for like almost every Halloween at some point during the time. I have a Wednesday Adams costume that I wear just on the rag. Not even like I'll just wear. It's like a black dress that has like a white collar popping out and I'll put my hair into little braids and I fucking love it. And listen, I've been seeing that dance that she does all over TikTok. I'm not up to there in the series yet. Um, I will keep watching it. Um, and like I, I thought everything about it is iconic. Jenna Ortega is an absolute treasure. She's so fucking good in it. Like I, I, aware of these things. Now here's what I don't like about it. And I think this points to something that I, it like triggers me because of like my own history. I, A, it's like kind of dark for me, which is interesting because like I'll watch like murder all fucking day long, you know, like I'll watch people coming back from the dead, like I'll watch all sorts of dark shit, but for some reason this has a type of darkness that I don't love. But really what it is, is like her character is so adamant on like not feeling and being cold and being dark. And it's like, it just reminds me so much of like this vintage, like being too cool for school, which is something that I have fallen prey to so much in my life. So probably what I don't like about it is like it triggers this thing that I used to do so much where it's like, just fucking have feelings, bitch. You know, like it's not like we're to, like times up on like being too cool for school. Times up on like not having feelings, not having emotions, on being like super stoic, on like, you know, like being the cool girl. Like times up, just like embrace your fucking basic bitch self. Like the, it's 2022. Having feelings is cool. Being a fangirl is cool. Like caring about shit is cool. Like those things that we used to idolize like that was like 90s shit and so I think that's what it is that ultimately I really don't love okay so I posted a TikTok within this past week 
And basically, hold on, let me just like pull up the TikTok and like what it says on it. Um, and then I'll get into why we're on this today. God, I'm really just like so fucking congested. Um, okay. So I wrote, not all anxious attachment presents, oh, stop it, this thing. Okay. Not all anxious attachment presents as needy, clingy, and desperate. I always came off as super independent, confident, cool, and chill, but I internally... But internally, I was spiraling. I was always fine being single, but it wasn't authentic. I was just terrified of becoming hyperfixated on another guy. I never showed PDA emotions or needs, but internally, I was melting. I was still anxiously attached. I just had such tremendous issues with being vulnerable that I tried to suppress it. And a lot of people commented under this, and they were like, oh, that's actually fearful avoidance. That's just organized attachment style. And here's the thing. I did have a um, disorganized attachment style or fearful avoidance, but this is not an example of it. And I've noticed like there's a lot of confusion around fearful avoidance versus anxious attachment for one specific reason. And I'm just going to go over the two. So fearful avoidance is a type of insecure attachment marked by both anxious and avoidant behavior. It is the rarest attachment style. We can see it in about 7% of the population. And it's usually the result of big T trauma, meaning abuse, um, meaning, you know, households where there's a lot of fighting. It's, it's, you know, the bigger stuff. It's, it's the most complicated attachment style. It's the rarest. It's not that um, common. And with fearful avoidance, there's a desire for close relationships, but at the same time, um, there's fear trusting others and like a belief that you will get hurt if you get too close to people. So like with dismissive avoidance, People with fearful avoidance will distance themselves from partners, but like with anxious attachment, they will feel anxiety, they'll feel neediness, they'll feel clinginess, and they'll have a general preoccupation with romance. Um, people with fearful avoidance have a negative view of themselves and a negative view of others. And some of the symptoms are mistrusting, keeping things light slash superficial. They may struggle to maintain long-term friendships, never feel safe slash always feel like something's wrong, trouble regulating emotions, hypervigilance, always being on the lookout for danger, Fidgety behavior might be messy, difficulty self-soothing, lack of boundaries, disassociating, being bossy, self-sabotaging behaviors, fight-picking, being hot and cold, fantasizing during sex, a need to be submissive during sex, and may want the other person to commit without actually wanting to commit. Now, with Anxious attachment. Anxious attachment is a type of insecure attachment that is rooted in a fear of abandonment. It comes from caregivers who are misattuned to needs. We often see it with caregivers who are anxiously attached themselves who seek to fulfill their own needs for love through the child versus like in healthy parenting. Healthy parenting prioritizes the child's needs over the parent's needs. Um, usually this is unconsciously done by the parent. It's not like big T trauma. It's often like really innocuous things like helicopter parenting, which like when you're helicopter parenting, what you're 
you're really doing is you're prioritizing the parents' like fears and worries over fostering a sense of independence in the child. Um, with anxious attachment, they have a low view of themselves, but a high view of others, which is different from uh, fearful avoidance, where they have a low view of themselves and a low view of others. With anxious attachment, you see people, like you'll put other people on a pedestal, particularly like the person that you're dating. Oh my God, can't breathe. Okay, some symptoms of anxious attachment are a need for constant reassurance that they're loved, worthy, and good enough, difficulty regulating emotions, hypersensitivity to rejection and abandonment, hypervigilance, craving intimacy, difficulty setting and enforcing boundaries, people-pleasing, codependency or like a tendency to try to solve other people's problems, um, high emotional reactivity when others aren't responsive or available, a tendency to seek out emotionally unavailable people, um, afraid or incapable of being alone, rumination over things that have happened, general anxiety, overthinking, overanalyzing, a tendency to fall in love easily, using sex to gain approval, um, being way, way, way more focused on a partner's pleasure than your own. Um, and this isn't like, like this isn't just like being a loving and generous and giving partner. It's more than that. It's like where you don't even give a shit if you're having an orgasm, like you think of sex as like a performance for the other person, essentially. Um, uh, using sex manipulatively. So using sex as something to either like withhold or something to give in order to gain love. So like you might have sex to like, you know, like this happens with younger people, especially where they'll just like put out to like, you know, oh, like get the guy to like me or like keep him interested or like withholding sex when you actually want to have sex because like you don't want to have sex yet because you want them to like become obsessed with you first. Either way, if you're using sex as kind of a bargaining chip, that's a pretty strong, uh, you know, indicator that you might have anxious attachment and extreme difficulty accepting that a relationship is over. Okay, so people with anxious attachment have a chronically active or an overactive attachment system. The attachment system is a mechanism in the brain that is responsible for monitoring and tracking the safety and availability of our attachment figures. Now, our attachment figures in childhood are usually our parents or whatever caregivers we have. In adulthood, it often becomes our romantic partners, although certainly like friends, etc. can play into that as well. And it's an evolutionary trait. If you're an infant and you're separated from your caregivers, you will die. And so your attachment system becomes activated when you're separated from your caregivers because your priority is to reestablish connections so that you can stay alive. But what happens is in adulthood, then like if you have anxious attachment, you get thrown back into that like childlike state where like when you're separated from your lover, it starts to feel in your body like you might die because you have that chronically overacted and like easily triggered attachment system. And so even the slightest hint that something is wrong will trigger the anxious person's attachment system. And when triggered, the anxious person will go to great lengths to reestablish connection. And those attempts to reestablish connection are often called protest behaviors. Now, some examples of protest behaviors are fight picking, stonewalling, aka ignoring, playing games, threatening to break up, playing things cool, trying to make someone jealous. Even cheating can be an example of of um, a, uh, what's it called? A protest behavior. 
Now, here is where things get fuzzy. A lot of anxious attachment protest behavior also looks like avoidance. So, for example, like when you're not answering someone's calls, right? That could be like avoidance, general avoidance. And so if you have both anxiety and avoidance, then you'd have fearful avoidance. Or it could be um, that you're just playing games to get them to be interested in you. Going back to that TikTok, right? Um, and that is, I did read the right one, right? Yes, I did. Okay. So like me coming off as super independent, really confident, really cool and chill while I'm internally spiraling, that was like my type of protest behavior. It was like my way of getting a guy to like fall for me more than I fell for him, like never showing PDA emotions or needs. Again, these were my kind of protest behaviors. It was my way of like playing things cool so that the guy would become more interested in me. But that also can very much look like avoidance, even though in this case it wasn't avoidance. So which, like, how do you know which it is? Here's the truth. Only you can ever know because on the outside, these behaviors look the same, but the difference lies in your intentions. And this takes a tremendous amount of self-awareness and a tremendous amount of like being honest with yourself. Like you have to ask yourself, like, what are my intentions really? So I'm going to walk you through an example. Let's say you're talking to someone, um, you know, whatever, it's in the early stages, and then you start ignoring their calls, okay? So this could either be like an example of avoidance, or it could be like anxious attachment protest behavior. Okay, so you ask yourself, why am I ignoring their calls? And let's say you answer to yourself, because I need space. Okay, let's take it one step further. Why do you need space? Is it because like you're feeling overwhelmed? You're maybe feeling a bit of the ick? That would point towards actual avoidance, which again, if you have avoidance and you have like the anxiety, then yes, you do have fearful avoidance. Or is it because maybe you're worried that they have lost interest because you saw like a slight change in their behavior and you're hoping that by playing it cool, you'll get their attention and they'll become more interested. That's protest behavior and that's part of anxious attachment. Now, here is the brutal truth. We live in a world where avoidance is more socially accepted than anxiety. Now, I do think that this could be changing now because we do value emotions and feelings way more than we ever used to. But most of us grew up in a time where being avoidant was seen as like being kind of cool and being needy and clingy was seen as like being basic and like a very undesirable trait. I mean, it's a lot like we grew up with so much internalized misogyny, which I think a lot of this goes back to. And like, look at like TV and movie characters that we loved. A lot of them showed a lot of avoidance. Like, the older sister in 10 Things I Hate About You, right? Like she was avoidant as fuck. Like um, what's his name? Heath Ledger's character was like chasing her the entire movie. I mean, some of it was obviously for a bet and some of it was like um, whatever, but or not a bet, but you know what I mean. 
Um, and then some of it was authentic, but you had her being like so uninterested in love and romance and so cool. And then eventually the boy wears her down, right? Like who watched that movie and was like, oh my God, that's what I should be like, right? I know I sure as shit did. Um, think Kristen and Laguna Beach, you know, going back to Laguna Beach, she presented as so confident and like didn't give a shit and Steven's obsessed with her, but she has like other guys like yada, yada. Um, Lorelai, and Gilmore Girls all the men are chasing her but she's not really like committing Shiv in succession Tom is like so obsessed with her and like Shiv is so like whatever towards him um Natalie Portman's character in that movie with Ashton Kutcher where they have like a friends with benefits vibe it could be called friends with benefits it could be called something else because Mila Kunis and Justin Timberlake did like the identical movie basically but with like slight details change so one of the two of those is called friends with benefits and I don't know what the other one is called anyway Natalie Portman's character very avoidant like it it's just seen as like a desirable thing right like oh like I'm not the one out here obsessing. It's like he's obsessed with me, you know, um, summer in 500 days of summer, even like Julia Roberts's character in Pretty Woman, like all of these women are like kind of avoidant. And it was like this desirable thing, right? It's like we wanted to be the one who isn't out here getting hurt and looking like silly and obsessed and embarrassed, right? It's like, no, like the way you actually get the guy is by caring less. Like that's how it was portrayed. And let's just contrast real quick how we saw anxious attachment portrayed um think like Ross and Friends I mean Ross and Friends was kind of the loser for the longest time until in the later years he actually became a little bit avoided he was a bit of a player right but for the like think like when Ross was like obsessing over Rachel and like so jealous and this and that like he wasn't portrayed in the best light no one saw that and was like I want to be Ross in this scenario right you wanted to be Rachel you wanted to be chased um think like Bridget Jones and all those fucking movies I mean she came off as neurotic hysterical she had to gain like 50 pounds for the role like it was not portrayed in a positive light um think of like the roles that Mindy Kaling has played now I will say Mindy Kaling made it look like cuter and funnier but like think like Kelly in the office like she was kind of the laughing stock. Like she's out here like chasing Ryan, whereas Ryan like doesn't even give two shits. And it's embarrassing. No one saw that and was like, I want to be Mindy or I want to be uh, Kelly in the office. No one thought that. So it's really tempting to want to rewrite what is actually anxious behavior as avoidance because we grew up idolizing these girls who were too cool for school, who were kind of pick-me girls, who men just couldn't help but fall in love with and clamor over. But here's the thing, more often than not, it's just a weird manifestation of anxiety, it, more often than not, it is not avoidance. It's not true avoidance. It's actually just suppressing the anxiety and having it come out in seemingly the opposite way. But it's just a manifestation of anxiety. Again, fearful avoidance is exceptionally rare. And if you did grow up with a lot of like big T trauma, maybe you really do have fearful avoidance. Um, again, I did have fearful avoidance, but like when it's actual true avoidance, you're, it's not a manipulative thing to get their attention or play games. You actually just really don't want it. You actually just really don't want to be around them. But if it's like a self-protection mechanism, 
then it's very likely to be anxious attachment. And here's the thing, even if none of this applies to you and you're just like a regular listener of the podcast, which if that is the case, like I fucking love you. Thank you so much. I know like there are so many people who listen who like have been like married for 10 years and have like very stable relationships and like none of the attachment stuff like applies to them or the dating stuff. They're just like loyal listeners of the show and I fucking love you guys. But here's the thing. Even if you are in that camp, there is a greater message here that does apply to you. And that is to practice extreme self-awareness with your behavior. Look at your behavior and everything that's happening to you as symptoms and try to figure out the root cause. And even if it seems obvious, do some digging. Our behavior is like clues as to where we need healing. So only when you're really, really honest with yourself can you do that healing. So like, look at where you get defensive. Look at what gets you triggered. Look at what causes you to feel kind of that like, (gasps) kind of feeling like if you're like, you know, just like, like a punch in the gut kind of feeling. Like anytime you feel that heart racing, uh, just elevated extra kind of feeling, get really curious as to what is beneath it. When you do or say something, get really curious. Like, is this actually authentically me or is it part of like an image that I'm trying to project? Because like once we get really curious and start asking ourselves these questions and being really fucking brutally honest with ourselves, that's where we figure out where the healing needs to happen. That's how we grow into the best possible version of ourselves, like the version that we came into the planet as and we can get back to once we work through all that shit that fucked us up. And if you want more handholding in doing this, the 2023 kickoff challenge within the Blush Academy is really going to like help you work through these blocks. The guided meditations have trauma therapy tools to help you work through all the childhood wounds that caused these blocks. And basically the challenge is going to be kind of a roadmap, roadmap of how to work through things that come up. Oh my God. Okay. We did it. That is it. That is the episode. It's probably the shortest episode I've had in a really long ass time, but I did it. I can't believe I didn't fucking pass out from like lack of oxygen. (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much for listening guys. Um, more on mindfulness, hopefully next week, if you're interested, um, DM me if you are and DM me if you're not. And, um, Thank you so much for listening. I hope, you know, everything sounds okay. I can only imagine what I sound like, although I don't sound too bad in my head. I actually don't think I sound particularly congested. I just am. Um, And yeah, you know, per usual, thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for all of the things. You know the drill, rate, review, subscribe. I know it's kind of annoying for you, but it takes like 14 seconds and it helps the show so fucking much. So if you learned anything this week, I would urge you to go and just leave a quick five-star review. It's going to help the show so much. And, um, you know, if you learned something, share it with someone you think would benefit from it. If like you're listening to this and you're like, holy shit, like I have a friend who does all of these things, please send to said friend, yada, yada, you know the drill. Love you guys. Talk next week. Bye.